the direction that we've been getting is starting to manifest itself in real terms. And the fact that we're on, we're on live, on uh, live streaming is one of those things. Our lives uh, certainly have begun to look very different in a short space of time. Uh, I'm not an economist. Uh, that's why Sandy runs the finances at our house. I'm not an epidemiologist, you know, someone who understands these things. I'm certainly not a prophet. I don't know uh, entirely what this new fluid normal is going to look like, how long it's going to be like this. But what I'm hoping is that I can still bring word of God into your lives in this time to inform, uh, to shape, to embolden, uh, to give you something greater, greater than economists, greater than disease forecasts, media outlets, uh, into our lives that we can that we can rest in it. And the first thing that came into my mind when I sat at my desk uh, Monday morning was this Psalm Psalm 46. It wasn't until Friday that I actually had time to get back to it and and begin to think about how. How can this psalm actually uh, minister uh, to us truth that causes peace in our souls? Peace in a pandemic. The psalms are great for that. As Nick began, no no better time than to turn to the word. The psalms are great in their timeless ability to to minister to our hearts. They they bring working theology uh, into real life situations. And Psalm 46 has been given to us to inform us about what God is like. When from our perspective, in very real and very tangible terms, it feels like the world is, is out of control. This psalm helps us remember that God is still a very real and very present help. Help in trouble. That we can take refuge in him. And helps us to know that the way, the activity that we need to participate in is actually to be still. Still in our souls and know that he is God. This psalm provides one of the most audacious promises uh, in the midst of the worst possible circumstances. You know, mountains crashing into the ocean, the very elements of creation unraveling into chaos, uh, the untamed forces of nature, this war and terrorism, nation raging against nation, kingdoms tottering, the capacity of people to be at their worst. And in all of this, the psalm says, not only can you survive the very worst of environments and circumstances, that if you actually know God, you can experience peace, you can experience joy, wisdom and courage. That as Paul puts it in Philippians 4, it it passes all earthly understandings and it guards our hearts and our minds. Well, as I was looking at this psalm, the first thing that came to me, the first thing that I felt this psalm helped us come to terms with or begin or, or begin to question when something like COVID-19 uh, throws our life into utter chaos is that it teaches us something about ourselves in the world. Uh, most of the time we have this resting or passive, unchallenged relationship uh, with the world, that we are basically in control of the world, that we are basically the masters of our own destiny. 
And we tend to think that our strengths, whether our strengths might be our academic achievements or whether they might be our physical capabilities, will mean that we are able to get and keep reliable jobs that keep us comfortable, that, that maintain the lives that we are building around ourselves. We tend to think that our, our wise and prudent investments, uh, where we stack all our resources and build our own little uh, empires, will mean that we will enjoy easy retirements. Self-sufficiency is the, if you like, is the natural refuge and fortress of the human heart, the proud boast of humanity. Now, when that blanket get, that we that we wrap around ourselves is torn away, we realize that we aren't in control. We realize actually the world is a very dangerous place. There's nothing uh, that we can't lose. There's nothing that can't be taken from us. And all of a sudden we find we need a refuge that's greater than ourselves. That's more powerful than even the, the forces of nature, the, the ragings of nations. Something that is permanent, something that is unchanged by all these things that are going on around us. Even the, the, the wave of change that the pandemic brings. And the psalmist tells us that the world and all its elements its systems and various things, they may go into meltdown, but there is a refuge. There is a greater security than all these things. And the psalmist says it's God. God is our refuge and our strength in these times. And not just in some uh, transcendent uh, capacity. Oh, yeah, yes, we know God is big and strong and great and out there. But throughout this psalm, on three separate occasions, in verse 1 and verse 7 and verse 11, the psalmist repeats with this refrain. He reminds us that when our self-reliance fails, uh, when our unchallenged relationship with the world leaves us vulnerable, we are not alone. God is our strength and our refuge. A very present help, or as the NIV uh, uh, puts, puts us, uh, a present help in trouble. The Lord is with us. And, and, and there's this beautiful line, just as he was, for Jacob, a fortress for Jacob's soul. When Jacob found uh, and faced his unchallenged relationship with the world that he had built around himself. I kind of really loved it as we, as we looked into this, how the Holy Spirit kind of prompted the writer of this psalm, and it could have been King David, kind of probably Hezekiah, uh, putting some theological reflection around their time as king. Uh, they reference Jacob. God is the God of Jacob. And the psalmist is saying, just as the, just as God was a refuge and a fortress for the soul of Jacob, so he can be for you. Now, here's what's interesting about Jacob. Jacob is one of the most uh, self-reliant, self-sufficient, uh, self-made person you can ever imagine. He schemed, he cheated, uh, he wrestled every environment, every circumstance into his own advantage. With his own hands and with his own um, capacities, he forged a place in this world. And that was until, as we read in, in the Bible, that he was fleeing uh, from one situation. God had actually told him to leave uh, from one situation heading home to reload, to start again, to begin his, his, his normal rhythms again. When he's on the road, the news of his brother Esau is coming. He receives this news that Esau, his brother, has come towards him. Now Esau... He cheated him out of everything. And now his brother is coming to meet him with 400 of his men. And all of Jacob's well-laid plans will not be enough. 
He will be overcome. He will lose everything. And he couldn't handle what was coming. He went into his normal patterns of self-reliance. He divides his assets. He divides even his, his, his family up, his stock, his produce. He sends gifts on in front of him, bribes, uh, if you like, uh, ahead of them, hoping that he can control this situation. And when he's done all of that, all that he can comfort himself with is this very lonely word, perhaps. Perhaps, who knows, perhaps this will work. I have no peace in my soul. My relationship with the world has been exposed and, and I am not in control. And, and we, we read about how Jacob has one of the most restless nights that any person has ever had. What does God do? What does God say to Mr. Self-Reliant, Mr. Self-Made? Well, okay, big boy, let's, let's just see how this rolls for you now. Let's see how this, this goes. That's not it. God moves towards this man who has lived a somewhat uh, nominal faith. Yes, God of my ancestors. Uh, yes, I've been ritually religious, but not relationally established with this God. His strength has been in his own hands. And a lot of us are like that. A lot of us have just kind of gone with it. Gone with the tradition of our ancestors. Gone with the rhythm of coming to church. Turned up, but never really relationally connected. God has not really been a fortress, a place of haven for our soul. And God comes and he meets this Jacob. But he doesn't come as a powerful God. One who will scold him for his pride and crush him into compliance. No, the picture is of a God who stoops down. And meets Jacob in weakness, a God who, who makes himself weak, sets aside his power that he might meet Jacob, if you like, on his own terms. And he wrestles with Jacob. He gets into the mess of Jacob's life. And it's only when this mysterious figure, this mysterious person just merely touches, like effortless, effortless touches Jacob on the hip and disables him that Jacob realized this is God. This is God. God who I have sought to control, now pushing into my life and saying, I cannot be controlled. And you are not in ultimate control. You need a fortress for your soul that's a little bigger than a few cows and some sheep and some wheat that you can stuff into a bag and send down the road. You need to stop wrestling, stop this self-sufficiency and know that it is I who am God. You need to rest in my sufficiency, in my wisdom, in my understanding of the future. Leave these things to me. I love it because the Holy Spirit could have used a person whose life was a picture of intimacy with God and said, "Ah, God is their refuge. God is their strength. Go and be like them. But he chooses Jacob to let us know that even when we've had little time for God... God is still a very present help, an ever-present help. God is a refuge not just for those who already have a working intimacy with God. It's for everyone. Everyone who realizes their need of something greater than themselves. And so Jacob is chosen so that, so that we can say, hey, this isn't about Jacob. This is actually about God, how we can know him, how God invites us in. And here's the thing. God will never mock you in your weakness. 
nor will he stand idly by and sarcastically say, hey, I told you so, I told you your own strength wasn't enough. God finds no joy when we come to the place that tells us that we're not in control. But he is full of mercy. He abounds in compassion. He is a fortress for your soul. He's not distant, but he is personal. He is with you. And his strong desire for you is to be still and know that he is God. Has your heart been wrestled into a confidence in God? By getting in the ring with him. By by wrestling with him. By giving your life over to him. Instead of still trying to control things that you can't control. There's a wonderful moment. Uh, that once Jacob realizes that this is actually God who is getting into his life. He actually stops the wrestle. The desire to be in control. And then he begins to cling. It says Jacob clung to God. He begins to take refuge. God, he's done work in his soul with God. And now his soul finds refuge in the one place that's strong enough to handle it. What a beautiful picture. You can either continue to wrestle for control. You can either continue to be anxious about things that you can't control. Or you can take refuge and you can find peace for your soul. In being still and knowing God. This wonderful little line here at the end of this psalm. To be still and know that I am God. To be still actually means to cease and desist. You know, in, in the way that you are operating. It doesn't mean just to stop completely. It means to stop doing what you're doing and then begin to do something else. Warren Wearsby in his commentary actually says, Be still literally means to take your hands off. Just relax and give over. Our natural default position, though, is to be hands-on, to be managers of our own destiny. And God is saying true security and peace of the soul is found when we ultimately shelter in God, not merely in our human achievement. When we, if you like, uh, let go of the tight grip of the things that we seek to control and we just un clench our hands and our fists and we open them we open our hands in prayer we open our hands in trust we open our hands to intimacy with god god is an ever-present help however you cannot experience this help unless you cease striving unless you cease your grip on things your own efforts and trust in his immeasurable goodness. This, this is a position of vulnerability. This is a position of I need God. Well, the psalmist lets us know what this God is like that is asking us to be still, uh, to be still in his goodness. Asking us to, to change our posture, if you like, from tight fists to open hands. That even when creation looks like it's on a one-way trip to chaos, that even when nation rage against nation and kingdoms totter, God is permanent. Unlike the chaos around him, his presence is like a calm river whose, whose streams make glad those who take refuge with him. Those who refuge with God will not fall. They will not be moved. And that doesn't mean that they will not uh, you know, experience hardship, uh, that they will not 
who knows, end up in hospital, these things. What he's talking about is they will not be moved in their soul. They will not be moved in their confidence in life. They will not be overcome with a sense of, of hopelessness and dread or anxiety. Every new and dawning day as we wake, there is God who neither sleeps nor slumbers and ever a present help. God is pictured as permanent, a permanent presence amongst his people. And this presence enhances their security. God is not controlled or influenced by things that we have no power over. Rather, all things are still under his sovereign control. God utters his voice. He just lifts his voice and the earth melts. God put creation in place and only God has the ultimate word on how it behaves. Come, behold the works of the Lord, the psalmist says. He has brought desolation on the earth and he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. And he breaks the bow and he shatters the spear and he burns the chariots with fire. God disarms all threats to the security of his people, to the security of their soul is the picture here. He brings to nothing all threats to the survival of his people's souls, their relationship with him. The greatest military machine such as Assyria was humbled overnight. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem didn't lift a finger, didn't throw a single rock. Be still and know that I am God. The Lord of hosts is with us in our presence, not distant, but remote, here with us. And the picture of that in this psalm is the city of God. City of God is Jerusalem. That's where the temple was, on the heights of Zion. That's where God's promised presence would be. That's where God touched down and made his presence known. The whole psalm revolves around the fact that God is presence. God is with his people. And that's the purpose that the temple served. Even though much of what it did was in symbolic measures. They would see the temple uh, and, and it would be a physical reminder of the promises of God that we find in this psalm. God is an ever-present help. When their hearts failed, they would look to Zion. And comfort would come. Yes, yes, God is with us. For us now, now, what we know is that Jesus is actually the personification of this psalm. Jesus is all the symbolism of the temple and and all the intimacy of of, of God uh, to come and take on flesh. All of God's recorded history, his protection of his people, stepped into human history uh, when Jesus arrived. All of God's promises to be with his people stepped into human history in Jesus. And Jesus himself says that I have come to replace uh, all that was symbolic with a personal relationship with him. In Jesus, God comes to wrestle every human heart personally, to get into our lives to, 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 to nurture around in our souls. This is how God ultimately moves towards us. A very real help to the soul when it realizes it's not in control. In Jesus we find this. It was Jesus' voice. It's when he lifted his voice that calmed the seas. He, he speaks and the sick are healed. He speaks his voice and the dead are raised. He touches, just touches and brings sight and restoration to people. And this Jesus, with these same attributes and powers of God, says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Rest for your soul. 
Here is the ever-present refuge and fortress. This Jesus whose sinless life overcame the greatest virus, the greatest threat to our well-being, sin and the grave in which it places us. In Jesus, all the power of God that melts the earth, that makes wars cease, stooped down and walked amongst us and identify with a world full of people who will at some point face something that lets them know that they are not in control. And this Jesus said, risen from the grave, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Live a life I have called you to live, even in a pandemic. And behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. The promise of Jesus is to never leave or forsake us. The psalmist looked to the temple to still their heart, to give them some tangible reminder of the peace that comes uh, from a permanent and personal presence of God. We have it in greater measure. Our personal peace and our, our our promise comes from the risen Lord Jesus who promises never to leave us and never to forsake us. He is our present refuge. Though our heart and flesh may fail, Jesus has overcome all things. So we stop, we become still, we pray, we ask for help. We remember that he is God and we are not. And we trust in him to be our mighty fortress, to bring us new mercies, to work his power on our behalf, whatever that takes, however that looks. We remember that he is God and that he is enough. And we ask him for help and trust through the uncertainty and all that might unfold to give us more of himself, to give us more of his peace. And as Paul said, this peace that passes all understanding for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for things like Psalm 46 that come to us uh, that remind us that you are a God who is not uh, remote, that you are a God who is not distant, but you are a God who who is uh, always wanting to be personal and present. But we thank you that the way you did this in greatest measure is in the person of Jesus. That in him we find God in the flesh and we find the promise that, that, that we can find our lives hidden in his. We pray that as we, as we go into this new rhythm of what church and life looks like from now on, that we would know that increasing measure, that we would get into the room and wrestle uh, through that. If our hearts haven't come to a place where we can say our lives are hidden in Christ and that's where my refuge and my fortress is, that we would begin that that wrestle and, and and get to the end of ourselves and find a loving God waiting right there. We thank you for your word. We continue to depend on it as we move forward. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.